on the Girl Defined Show, we are talking about dating and whether you as a Christian girl should date a non-Christian guy. Hey everybody, it is Kristen Clark and Bethany Beal, and we are sisters and the founders of Girl Defined Ministries Whoop. and the founders of this podcast, and we're really tall and we live in Texas, and so <laughs> what is there's just a few things, and we also hate roaches and we love ice cream. <laughs> okay, I did see a video on Instagram, oh no, no, it was on Facebook, and it was about like uh, a like random like animal and bug moments, and it was a, like different things where like, oh, like, you know, a deer like jumped on someone's car, so it was crossing the road, like random what? freak things, but then it was a video of someone filming they were doing like, I don't know, a TikTok or an Instagram and a huge roach. And it was an actually, oh, oh my it gosh. crawled up them and they were like freaking out. But it just reminded me of like, I would hate that with every gut in my body because we hate roaches That so is terrible. If you, so if you know us at now. all and now you know us a little more, you know that we absolutely hate roaches. Yeah. But besides roaches, we're glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we're so glad. We love the yes. sisterhood. We love welcoming new sisters into the sisterhood. And as you can already tell, we just have fun on this podcast. We get down to earth, chatting, having great combos about stuff that is relevant for your life. Relevant like roaches. <laughs> okay, exactly. I am the one that has, like, I've been having a lot of squirrel moments lately. This is Bethany. So if you're a squirreler, squirrel moment girl like me, then you'll, you'll, we'll get along. Oh, oh, that was a moment then right yes. there. That was a squirrel moment. Okay. Me, me and my squirrel friends. Something better than squirrel moments and roaches, though, maybe maybe not better than ice cream, I don't know, is the topic of love. Yes. The topic of love. And even more than that, the topic of dating. Oh, my goodness. This question about whether or not a Christian should date a non-Christian is something yeah. so popular and one that you girls have asked us so many times. In fact, we will get emails all the time from yeah. you saying, okay, hey, I met this guy. He's amazing. We get along. His personality is like everything I could have hoped for and more. Um, he's really good looking. He's like all these things, right? And you'll give us this whole list of like all of his best attributes ever. Yeah. Then you'll say, but dot, 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 he's not a Christian. Then you'll launch into um, all, the all the reasons why it's okay, why you're ministering to him, why he really is amazing and you could see him becoming a Christian one day, and why really you can just see how God brought y'all together and it's a match made in heaven. And God is using you. Yes, and yes. the saga. And then you'll say, but, 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 I mean, I, I won't marry him unless he becomes a Christian, yeah. but, you know, what do you think? And then you'll end and kind of yeah. ask us, what do you think? And, you know, I, I love that you're emailing us and please email us as you listen yeah. after this. We love hearing from you. I love that you're you're being very honest about your question. Um, but I think the reason you're asking the question in the first place is because deep down in your heart, you know, maybe something yeah. isn't quite right about this relationship. So that's why you're asking yeah. us, hey, what do you think? Well, and you know, I love that we have the opportunity on this podcast to answer those specific questions because mm -hmm. we do get a lot of emails, a lot of DMs from you saying, hey, I have this specific question. And we want to have the opportunity to answer even more and to make sure this message spreads to even more girls. So if you're like, I I love that they answer these questions. I love that this was, I emailed once about this question. Please go click that five-star button and leave us a review because that really yes. will help this podcast go further and wider. And I know it takes like two seconds. Don't even leave a review. Just click the five stars. It really <laughs> does make a difference. And if yeah. you're like, oh, I've listened to every podcast and I've never done that, or I like this. It's my first time here. You have no idea how much it means to us. So that will just enable more girls to be able to email us, ask their questions, and for us to continue answering them. And we see you when you leave that comment too. This is Chris chiming in saying leave a comment go the extra mile give us an extra 60 I'm just seconds for the bare bones <laughs> go the extra 60 seconds leave us a comment let us know what you think about this and yeah. even if you have any feedback like questions that you'd want us to answer on future episodes or what you liked about this episode sure. if you have a question about something we talked about on this episode we love to see your questions and your comments too alongside that five-star review yeah yeah <laughs> and you know this episode is actually it's based off of a question that we've received and we're actually 
we have dedicated an entire chapter in our book, Love Defined. It's called, Is It Okay to Date a Non-Christian? And you can grab a copy of Love Defined if you want more of this, you know, just like really digging in. Just go to girldefined.com slash shop, girldefined.com slash shop, and you can grab a copy of Love Defined, Embracing God's Vision for Lasting Love and Satisfying Relationships. It's a book for those of you who are single, dating, engaged, just wanting to learn and gain a bigger picture of God's design for love. That's girldefined.com slash shop mm-hmm. to grab a copy. Yeah. So what we're talking about right now in this episode comes from chapter 11, which you just mentioned, is it okay to date a non-Christian? We dedicated an entire chapter to this topic because we believe it's it crucial. is very important. It is crucial. If you are in that place or you know a friend who's in that place or you think you could be in that place, keep listening because this is going to be life-changing, so valuable, um, and just so, so important. Yeah. But before we get into answering that question, I just want to frame it up a little bit by actually reading a little bit of what we have in this chapter in Love Defined, because I think it's so important for us to not just jump to, is it right or is it wrong, but to actually take a step back, get a little bit of a bigger perspective on yeah. what's even happening. Like, why are we dating? What's the point of dating? What's the point of marriage? Like, let's just zoom out for just a quick second and get a little bit of a bigger perspective. So in Love Defined, we ask the question, what is the purpose of a romantic relationship. Throughout scripture, godly romantic relationships are always paired with marriage in view. And that's really key because in our society today, romantic relationships are often not paired. Like you don't even have marriage in mind when you start dating someone. But in the Bible, they always went hand in hand. The Bible never portrays a picture of pure Christ-honoring romance without marriage in sight. Why? Because romance isn't a standalone activity. It's a gateway leading us to an end destination. And that destination we're trying to discover, like, should I should I live my life with this person or not? That's marriage, right? So in Love Defined, we, before we got to this chapter, we gave you a whole foundation. So if you haven't read it, you should read it because it's awesome. But the goal of a relationship should be to discover whether God would have you marry that person or not. That's truly, I think when you unpack scripture and you dig in, you really see that should be the point of a romantic relationship. So with that perspective in mind, we should be extremely careful about who we are open to dating, right? If you're thinking of it as a pathway to discover if you should marry someone, not just messing around dating, that's not really a Christ-centered picture of dating, then yeah, it's like you should be really careful then about who you date if it could lead to marriage. So when it comes to dating a non-Christian, God's word offers some helpful wisdom. And John Piper is a pastor, author. Many of you have heard of him. He has a lot of really wise things to say, but he says this. Here's a quote from him. The key text is in 1 Corinthians 7.39, where it says that a woman is, quote, free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord end quote. That little phrase only in the Lord has added to an otherwise innocent marriage to say, don't go outside of the Lord to marry. So basically that verse, that 1 Corinthians 7, 739 verse he was talking about is a direct exhortation to marry someone who is in the Lord. And what does that mean in the Lord? Basically, it's a true Christian, a genuine Christian, a call to marry someone as a believer who is also a believer. So someone who has like a personal relationship with yeah. God, they understand the gospel, you like the core Christian foundation, foundational yeah. truths. Like I, they, they personally mm-hmm. like know the Lord. Yes. You know the Lord personally. They know the Lord you have. Yeah. They're saved there. I know it's like, okay, let's break down what yeah, a genuine believer is. Not just someone who goes to church who yeah, just exactly. says they're a Christian and it's more in name only, but someone who has that genuine relationship with the Lord. Um, so we go on to say, and since dating should lead to marriage, it wouldn't be wise to date a guy who isn't a Christian. Uh Oh, we're giving away some of the punchline. <laughs> and then here's another key verse that addresses this issue. This is very popular. A lot of you have heard of this one. 
it's it's in 2 Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? So if you're wondering what in the world unequally yoked means, which I think we don't use that phrase yeah. a lot in our modern day, basically this passage is trying to illustrate, um, imagine like a yoke. It's a wooden bar that joins two oxen together. You've probably so seen like Little photos. House in the Prairie yeah. or whatever those 1800s shows you watch are. I it's don't that know. big wooden yoke and it like goes around the necks of each of the oxen. They're standing side by side and they're, it's around their necks so that they can together pull a load, pull a load together consistently. So when one ox is larger, taller, smaller, or weaker than the other, it actually causes the team of oxen to lose all efficiency. They can't perform tasks well. And instead of working together, they end up working against each other. So if if two oxen, and this is actually the biblical example when you yeah. dig in, it's actually very, very practical. Mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. And if you ever worked with oxen, you'd be like, I get it. Um, so if one oxen is bigger and the other smaller, they're unequally yoked. That's what it means, which means they can't pull together as an efficient team. They'll probably just end up going in circles, yeah. right? So being equally yoked means you are a team, you are equal, you're able to pull together, you have the same faith, you have the same vision. So, so being spiritually equally yoked. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, being spiritually equally yoked. So when it comes to dating or marrying a was, non-believer. I was about to say, you're like, like if one's taller, I'm like, I'm taller than my husband. Um, <laughs> if one's taller or shorter. So I'm equally yoked. <laughs> Biblically, it has nothing to do with With how tall or short you are. I was almost like, I just, I can't believe I missed that all these years. You didn't know the oxen. So if you don't know, I'm Bethany. I'm 32. I'm 6'1", and I'm like two inches taller than my husband. So and y'all are the cutest. All the the tall girls. Oh yeah, and we have a cute little son. And I'm just just prancing around so tall all the time. And y'all are equally yoked. And we are equally yoked. Because he's a believer and you're a believer. That's the point. (laughs) And you make a great team. Okay, I'm almost done here. So when it comes to dating or marrying a non-believer, the Bible says you will become like an unequally yoked pair of oxen. So basically, the Bible is saying you're not a good match. That's what 2 Corinthians is talking about. You will encounter major spiritual differences, which will ultimately leave you spinning in circles spiritually. I mean, in your life, it really is true. You won't be unified in most of the foundational parts of the Christian life. And that's the bottom line, which is living for God's glory. One of you will have that vision as a believer and the other won't. And that's a really, really big deal. The command in this verse makes it painfully clear that marrying a non-believer would be disobedient to God. This may seem harsh, but when we remember what marriage is ultimately supposed to reflect, and that's the gospel, we will see how truly important this command is. So that's just to give you a little bit of a zoom out picture, what, you know, how we back this up in scripture, what God's word, this isn't us approaching this topic with like, oh, Kristen and Bethany's wisdom, we're going to God's word and we want to bring God's word to you to say, hey, we all submit to the authority of God's word. We humble ourselves and say, God, you tell me what's true. Um, And if you're still not convinced, if you're like, eh, I'm not convinced about the oxen, then we just want to share with you six reasons, um, six reasons to consider as you are still thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should date a non-believer. Maybe I shouldn't end this relationship I'm in. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, have a conversation with my friend, uh, maybe who's in a dating, dating a non-Christian. We want to give you six more reasons to help you think about this a little bit deeper. Yeah. I think the first big one is that you aren't on the same mission. Um, if you think about your life, just according to Matthew and Hebrews, we see that we are called to be on mission for God. Like we are here to live for our King. God, 
God is our king. He really is like the the reason that we exist, the purpose of our lives, the uh, like the hope that we have mm-hmm. of the future. He really he is and he should be in our minds and hearts. Like that's what we should be living for. And we're called by scripture to live for God's glory. We're called to evangelize the lost, to make disciples. Um, and so a non-Christian boyfriend, if you think about it, he's not going to share the same mission with you. Just on a base level, he doesn't live and serve and glor- like live to glorify God. He may be a very kind, moral, good, upstanding person, but if he is not a Christian, the very purpose for his existence of why he chooses to go on every day is completely different than yours. So your foundations are completely different, mm-hmm. and you'll most likely find yourself striving after this kingdom-minded goal completely on your own or with little support. Or he may be like, yeah, that's great for you, but that's not his mission. That's not what he's here for. And so you just have to think about it. Like, wow, if you're dating a non-Christian, why are you dating him? You know, and if you think like, well, maybe we could get married. Maybe, you know, maybe he's a good guy. You have to think like, our foundations are completely different. The source of where we go for truth. Think about one day if you were to have kids, just even when you go through something hard, what is what is your foundation? It's just, you, you just have a completely different mission. Mm-hmm. And I think that alone is enough to say, okay, no, this is not a wise idea. Yeah. Yeah. Another problem that we see biblically for why it's not, it's not biblical truly to, I mean, dating a non-Christian, I know there is an argument like, well, we're just dating. We're not married. The Bible says don't marry, right? But again, let's talk about dating. Why are you dating? Dating should be a pathway towards something, not just a random activity. It should be leading you somewhere. And that end goal is to discover if you should marry this person, right? If they're a wise person to marry. So I think immediately you should start to see like, yeah, even dating them, like it's not wise. Yeah, the Lord might bring them to faith someday, but that's, you know, he's not a Christian today. So yeah. something and God, to- God doesn't need you in this right. guy's life in order to teach him about you. I know so many girls, it's like, well, but God's just using me. It's like, God can use anything, but is really a romantic relationship truly like the mm-hmm. best idea? It can happen, but for you in your own heart and your own emotions and his, like you're in this relationship that you can't even like ultimately fulfill like, hey, unless he has this life altering coming to faith moment. Yeah. Just in so many ways on a wisdom level, even it's just very, very unwise. We're going to talk about missionary dating, I think is the correct, I fear people use that term. We're going to get to that at the end. Mercy. Okay. So here's another thing to consider. And it's that you can't seek the Lord together. We see this in Matthew 6, 33 and Luke 10, 27. Think about it. If this guy isn't a believer, which is what we're talking about. Okay. So you're dating a non-believer. Like Bethany said, even if he's wise uh, or if he if he's morally upstanding or even says, you know, yeah, I believe there's a God out there somewhere, but he doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. He on Saturday with the homeless. He, you know, serves the orphans. Yeah. I mean, he is just Mr. Moral. Like you know? he, yeah, he could be doing a lot of great things. It doesn't mean just because he's not a Christian, he can't do a lot of great things as yeah. a person and love other people and serve other people. He could do all of that. But if he doesn't know the Lord, he's not going to be seeking the Lord in the way that the Bible calls us to seek the Lord um, in our hearts, seeking the Lord in every aspect of our lives. And you're not going to be able to do that together. So as you're praying, right, as a believer, as a Christian woman, and you're going to the word for wisdom and you're asking the Holy Spirit for guidance, you're going to be alone in that. You're always going to be alone Mm. in that. And you might think that's not a big deal right now, but in the Bible, God calls husbands to lead their families, to lead and love their families, to love their wives. And 
your husband's never going to be able to do that in the way that God is calling him. And I'm just going to say a personal testimony in my marriage. I am married to Zach. A lot of y'all know him. Um, We've been married for almost 10 years and we were both believers when we got married. And I'm just telling you, 10 years into marriage, like we have gone through some really hard times, multiple miscarriages, going on 10 years of infertility, um, lots of changes and unexpected trials in our lives. And if we did not have the Lord seeking him together through the grief, through the loss, through the brokenness, if I didn't have a husband who was leading me spiritually and praying for me and with me and seeking the Lord as he was guiding both of us spiritually and emotionally, like leading our family through this, it would have been really like it was already so hard. And I cannot imagine how much harder it would have been. I honestly think it would have driven us apart. Mm -hmm. But because the Lord was at the center of our marriage and still is and has been with us through these ups and downs, and we've sought the Lord together, it's actually made us stronger Mm -hmm. um, as a couple spiritually as we've sought the Lord and as my husband has led in that. So don't just think in terms of like, oh, well, right now, I don't really see how it's affecting my life. Like, think 10 years down the road being married and think about what it will be like to not have your husband as the spiritual leader. Yeah. And um, that was the next big point I wanted to emphasize was that, you know, he can't provide that spiritual leadership. And if you're wondering, like, where Kristen pulled that from, like, why? Okay, what is Mm -hmm. with that, like, spiritual leadership? Like, I don't need no man to lead me spiritually, you know? We actually see in Scripture that there is a direct calling on husbands to lead their wives and to, you know, take them to the Word and to be that spiritual leader of the home. If you just go to Hebrews 3.13 or Hebrews 10.24, I encourage you to go look up those passages on your own or just look at Titus 1 or just look at the structure that God has set up in the Bible. I mean, even look at the structure in the beginning with Adam and Eve. We see that God created man to be the spiritual leader. I mean, ultimately, God, I mean, men are supposed to be like Christ to their wives and lay down their lives to serve them. It's Mm -hmm. not this position of lording over in power. It's a position of service. Just like Jesus, who is the Savior, came not to be served, but to serve. So men, uh, husbands, really have this very high and sacrificial calling if they're truly living it out as God calls them to. Um, I know we see a lot of examples of this in the world that are not good, and so we are not talking about that. We're not talking about men being this, like I said, like ruling over with an oppressive hand. We're talking about that sacrificial leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a husband— is called to be the spiritual leader of his home for his wife, for any children that come along. Um, He is supposed to be the one who is, you know, going to the Lord and making sure that his family is in the word, who leading in prayer, just like when they're going through hard times, like Kristen, you mentioned, yeah. it's like your husband is seeking the Lord with you and saying, like, I know this is hard, but God is the one who can pull us through. We can trust him. Um, and if you have a man that you are married to who is not a Christian, no matter how nice or moral he is, he cannot provide you with that spiritual leadership because he doesn't have a personal relationship with God. So the very calling and structure that mm-hmm. God has set up within scripture is something fundamental mentally that your if you married this non-Christian, that he literally cannot fulfill because he is not a Christian. He doesn't use God's word as his source of truth. He doesn't have a personal relationship with God. And I just want to emphasize what you said, Kristen. Like I, Bethany, most of y'all know my story. I didn't get married till I was 30. And it was a long journey of just wondering, like, will I ever meet that person that loves the Lord, who Hmm. genuinely wants to follow him for himself, um, that I know we will be married and we'll follow the Lord together. And if there's a big decision, he's not just going to make it on his own or in his own wisdom. He's going to seek advice. He's going to seek the Lord. If we go through something hard, I know it's not going to tear us apart because he is ultimately in this marriage to to serve the Lord first and foremost. So it's not even yeah. just about him. And so I think that 
now being on the other side, I've only been on the other side for two and a half years, but I cannot emphasize the importance, the long-term importance of marrying someone who genuinely loves the Lord. And I know, I want to say this because you're probably thinking it. You're like, well, I know guys and men who are Christians, but they're not like yeah. they're not good men. Or my, I had a dad, he claimed to be a Christian and he was abusive. Like we know that there are Christian men who are not truly following the Lord and who right. are not using their power, their strength, whatever it is, the, their, in their influence, their, their influence authority for good. They're yeah. using it for bad and they for using yeah. it for evil. And so we condemn that. We think that is awful. God, God thinks, thinks that is awful. awful. It is terrible. We are not talking about ending up with a man like that. We are talking about finding a man who wants to exemplify the qualities that Christ calls them to. Like I said, a man who comes not to be served, but to serve and to love his family yeah. and to lead them in kindness and gentleness and goodness, mm-hmm. um, who displays the fruits of the Spirit, who is tender and kind towards his wife. So that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about, just to clarify, because I know that it can be, yeah. you know, I know we live in a fallen world, and so we don't just want you to go, well, you know, he, he, let me pick up the first Christian guy I meet. Like, yeah. no, we still need a lot of wisdom even within yeah. that. And I'm so glad you brought that up, because just because someone says they're a Christian, yeah. um, even someone like you mentioned, Bethany, like your father or a brother, a guy you've known, um, a guy that you've dated, like, oh, they've said they're Christians, but yeah. they have not been living out who Christ calls them to be. That's been so evident. And so you don't want to base it on that. Like, you want to be so careful and wise and seek counsel in whoever you're dating. Um, but them being a genuine Christian doesn't mean they're going to be perfect either. You're not looking for some perfect guy. We didn't marry perfect guys. We are far from yeah. perfect ourselves. We're all sinners. We're all in need of Christ. That's why Christ came, because we need his, we need the gospel. We need salvation. We need to be forgiven from our sins. We need his strength to even walk the life that he's called us to walk as believers. But that's what you're looking for. Not a guy who's striving for for, per, for perfection, but a guy who's just going in the right direction. He's seeking the Lord. He has a genuine heart for the Lord. That's what, totally. you're, that's what you want to be praying for. Okay. So something else in dating a non-believer is that you won't share the same standards and convictions. Um, you can read more about that in Romans 8, 7 through 8 and Hebrews 11, 6. And you know, this is a huge one. And I think it's one that gets overlooked because in dating, sometimes you can just kind of act like, oh, you know, we both kind of have the same perspective on things or the same standards. Like, it's really no big deal. But as you really drill down to it and you look at the word and you start to realize how many of the things that you believe, like your convictions about things, if you're looking to the word for answers, they will be rooted in the word, in God's truth, which is timeless. But think about culturally in our climate today, especially how much is changing about what what this guy, like where is he getting his truth from? What are his standards? Where are they coming from? Is it just his own truth? Totally. Is it just a cultural? truth that he feels like he's picked up? Is it just something politically correct? Like if your standards and convictions are coming from the word, his aren't going to be, right? Because if he's not a believer, why would he look to God's word for his standards and convictions Mm -hmm. and how to live his life? And so when Zach and I were dating, something that was so awesome and that we were both believers seeking the Lord is that, you know, something that's just totally taken for granted is like, okay, sex before marriage. That's just like in our culture, like, yeah, have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want. It's all about you as long as it's consensual to adults. Like, great, go for it. No harm, no foul, right? Like, that's what we see in society. Um, And a guy who doesn't have the Bible as a standard, chances are that's how he's going to feel because that's, that's culturally normal. That's just going with the flow, going with how we feel. But you you as a Christian woman um, should be looking in the word and seeing, wow, God values sex. He has a beautiful plan for sex within the covenant of marriage. Um, but that even right there is probably a big tension point when you're dating an unbeliever. And something I so appreciated about dating a godly man is that Zach never once 
pressured me to have sex with him before we were married. He valued marriage. He valued sex. He saw the beauty of intimacy within that covenant, and he was willing to wait to not um, get that before we were married. And that alone, that conviction of his was coming from his love for the word, for his love for God's truth. And that wouldn't have been there, I'm convinced, if, if he hadn't been a believer or if I hadn't been a believer. And so just simple things like that, your standards and convictions, think about how much that's going to impact your relationship when you're dating a guy who doesn't go to the word for those things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you kind of hit on this already, but you really won't share the same worldview. And that's just, you know, think about how we talked about in the beginning, your foundation. I mean, think about whether you're discussing politics or hot topics of the day. Um, just think about some Ooh, of those issues, evolution, yeah. abortion, even um, talking about sexuality, sexuality, identity, racism, all of these things that are super important to think yeah. about and discuss. And we should be talking about them. But where is our standard of truth? Where is our source of wisdom? Um, and if it's not coming from God's word, where is it coming from? Um, it will be coming from a totally different source of truth. And I think something that you mentioned that's so popular is just that's your truth and that's great, but that's not my truth. Like, yeah. I have a different truth. I have a different lived experience. Right. So thank you, but mm-hmm. no, you know. Um, and so for us as Christians, we acknowledge like, no, we don't have the answers. We don't have truth within ourselves. I don't have this inner truth. I don't rely on my feelings or just my thoughts or what's trending today. Or even I don't just go to the philosophers and I don't go to, maybe I'm a, maybe he's very educated and he's very, you know, reads widely. That's great. But that's not the ultimate source of truth, you know? Like maybe he's a different religion and you're like, but he's so great. Like, no, we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue can will confess to God ultimately. Like we know that's where our future hope lies. That's he's the savior of the world. Um, and so if that isn't his foundation, truly, how can you ever come to the same worldview ultimately on anything. And it's so important to be unified as much as possible with a biblical standard on things. I mean, think about just the topic of abortion. Like, how do you come to a conclusion on that as a non-Christian? You know, mm-hmm. it's like you you have to draw the line somewhere. And that ultimately like comes down to either if you're like, well, science, but then there's personhood. So I'm not sure. Like, Maybe they're human, but they're not a person. We know in scripture, God makes it so clear that he knits us together in our mother's Mm -hmm. womb. And we, you know, at the moment of conception, we have a soul and we're an eternal being. And so we know, like, no, abortion is wrong because we see that God is the designer. And who are we to take life that God has given, you know? And so you can see just how quickly you come to issues, very crucial issues, very differently. And you may feel like, but life is so great right now. Like I'm telling you, life will mm-hmm. probably only get more complicated from this point forward. The longer you live, the more complicated Amen. life gets. Disaster strikes. I mean, we can't help it. We live in a fallen world. And so you want to be with someone where their worldview, they go to the word and they seek God's truth and they get wisdom mm-hmm. from other godly Christian men. It's just not worth it to settle in this area. Yeah. And if you're not convinced yet, we've got a few more things to share with you. It's so crucial. It is. And if you're still listening, we just want to give you a little round of applause right here because this is heavy and this is hard. And if you are in a place where you are wrestling with this because you're dating someone who's a non-believer, we just want to say, girl, that we see you, not physically, but we we see you. We know you're out there. I've talked to girls personally who've been in this this tension point. Um, So I'm just so proud of you for listening to this and and not giving up, like not just saying, whatever, I don't care. Maybe you will after this podcast. We hope you don't, but we are praying for you. And we pray that the the truths you're hearing from God's word, the wisdom 
wisdom. We really do pray that it will impact your decision moving forward. But we're not done yet. We've got a few more things to share. So in dating a non-believer, think about the conflicts that you'll face in raising future kids. Mm. You know, kids aren't something a lot of people when they're dating even think about. It's like, oh, maybe family, possibly somewhere down the road. But guess what? It hits. I mean, it comes a lot sooner for most couples than they even think because you grow up and life and time goes by quickly before you know it. And you have, you know, I got a little Davy Jr. Or you face infertility like you and Zach yeah. have and the pain and struggle, yeah. like you said, a lot of couples even get divorced over it right. it's so hard. So whether it's kids or infertility mm-hmm. or just a disagreement on like you want kids and he doesn't, yeah. um, just n- that tension and stress is probably one of the most like stressful things, you know, you yeah. can go through. I mean, people say marriage is sanctifying, but wait till you have kids. And then it's like extra sanctifying, beautiful. I mean, you've got little Davy Jr. And I'm sure you and Dave, like having a godly husband who loves oh. this little boy. And you're thinking of one day Davy yes. having like a godly man to disciple him, do things with him, teach him, train him. Like I'm sure just your mama's 100%. heart is like, wow, like what a blessing to even think about that. Even though Davy's just like so cute, little one-year-old, little boy, little boy. But think about right now, you know, in dating, think of one day, think 10 years down the road, you know, you know, maybe you're you're older and you're like, hey, I'm hoping to have kids even sooner than that. Five years down the road, imagine married. You have a few little kids. You're married to a non-believer and you're trying to raise these kids to love the Lord, but your house is spiritually divided, right? You, mommy, you want to raise the kids to love the Lord. You want to take them to church. You want to teach them the Bible. You want to teach them what the Lord has to say. You want to pray with them. And dad's indifferent or he's even opposed, Mm. or he's just like, whatever, whatever you want to do. You know, that's really hard. If he's opposed, that's really hard. If he's indifferent, that's really hard. Um, And your kids also, they'll never experience the leadership, the godly Christ-centered leadership that a father is called to provide, right? If you're married to an unbeliever. And so those are just things that feel far away, but they'll be here before you know it. If God blesses you with marriage and children, like those things will be at your front door and you're going to go, whoa, I never thought about this. That's why we're sharing it now so you can think about it. Think about the future and think, wow, how will that affect my future children? It will. Ask anyone who's married to a non-believer who has kids, has this affected your marriage and your family? Everyone I've talked to, they have said absolutely. And they've said in more drastic and challenging ways than I ever imagined. And so we just hope in sharing these six things, I'm with you right now that they've opened your eyes to some of truly the major pitfalls of dating a non-Christian. And we hope that you can see um, biblically, practically that it is, it's not wise. It's just the bottom line, it's not wise. Um, And then ultimately marrying someone we believe is not biblical. It's not what God would have for you as a Christian woman. So... I guess the bottom line question is we've shared a lot yeah. of information. Um, and so they're thinking whether, say, a girl is in a relationship right now with a non-Christian mm. or she's like, okay, so I feel like we've shared a lot of stuff, but what about the girl who is dating a non-Christian guy right now? Because right I know now. we have a lot of listeners right now who are in that yeah. place. Um, and we we know that that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to be like, okay, you just dropped this bomb on me and now I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. Um, we want to encourage you, first of all, like we know this is hard and we encourage you to start praying about this and start seeking wisdom from a godly mentor, a godly woman in your life. Um, But we just want to encourage you to you know, like take this really seriously. Don't get on the phone with them. Like, I just listened to this podcast. We have to break up, you know, like go if you're in church, if you have godly women Mm -hmm. in your life or a godly couple, we really encourage you to go seek some wisdom um, because we think that, I mean, it's hard to say, but I think if you are dating or engaged, so not married, that's a separate separate yeah. thing we'll talk about at the end. But if you're dating or engaged, like this is really hard to say, but I really do think that the wisest thing would be to end the relationship, you know? Um, yeah. And so figuring out wisdom 
and the best process to go about that is hard and difficult and and takes wisdom. So um, I would really encourage you if you're in that Mm -hmm. situation to seek someone in your church so you can get really good biblical counsel from. Yeah, for sure. And if you're still thinking, well, I am going to convince him to become a Christian by my wonderful ministry as I date him. Um, or, you know, you, one girl told me, she's like, I promise I won't marry him unless he becomes a Christian. But she's like, Risky. I am I'm yeah. committed to this dating relationship, but I won't marry him unless he becomes a Christian. I think that's just playing with fire because yes. think of our hearts. They get attached. They have dreams and longings. Um, the further you go down the road, the harder it yes. will be to end it. So to answer the question, because I did say we talk about missionary dating, um, I think the words of Candace Waters, she's amazing. She's written some great stuff on marriage and single women. Um, Listen to her words to answer this question about missionary dating. She says, since the purpose of dating is to find a spouse, and since believers are not permitted to marry unbelievers, we must not deceive ourselves into thinking it's okay to date as long as we don't marry an unbeliever. It's simply too likely and too common, she says, that what begins as an innocent, friends-only, non-emotional, temporary form of relating progresses into affections that long to be satisfied. You would not be the first to think it harmless, only to set yourself up for either a heart-wrenching breakup or faith-wrecking disobedience. And I just think her words ring so true that the longer you stay in this relationship, you are going to come to a fork in the road where you're going to have to make the choice of going through a heart-wrenching breakup or a faith-wrecking disobedience. Those are really the only two options that this path will eventually take you to. And so our... Our prayer for you now is like what Bethany said, that you would make that extremely hard choice. You would pursue a godly woman to help you navigate this, someone who knows you, loves you, who can help you walk through this. But to end the relationship, truly, it might feel unloving, but it is truly the most loving thing you can do because remember, you're loving God first. You're loving him first and foremost, and you're saying, God, my allegiance, Mm -hmm. my faithfulness, the goal of my life is to worship you and to glorify you first and foremost, and that is lived out through obedience to you and your word. And so help me, God, to walk this really hard path in obedience to you no matter how hard it's going to be and then god will god will bless you for that you know the blessings may not look like a boyfriend but he'll bless you and that you're walking in his will and you'll experience the grace that he promises when we seek his strength through hard times you'll experience the peace eventually of course it will be really hard for a while um but i i can't guarantee but i think as you follow the lord in obedience many years from now you'll look back and say i am so grateful Mm -hmm. that i followed the lord so then what about the woman who's listening and she's Mm -hmm. like maybe it's a girl who it's her parents or maybe it's you yourself and you're like I am married to a non-believer or my parents are not believers you know I think that's a really hard place because marriage is a completely different category yes um we are not if you are married everything we just said although it may be true about the unequally yoked and everything um we are not telling you to leave or to Mm -mm. go anywhere um when you are married you have entered into a covenant where you have said you know till death do us part and I am committing to the Lord to be one with this person and to live with them for better or for worse, you know, it's it's something bigger than yourself even. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, man, I it's hard and I wish I wouldn't have done this. Well, you are in this covenant and it's a pro- covenant, you know, a promise that cannot be broken. You have committed to this man. Um, and I know that we, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we know couples like that. We know couples who yeah. are un- unequally yoked where one is a Christian and one is not. Um, we've seen couples where one has become a Christian and yeah. now... 
then they both become Christians. You know, there are so many amazing stories that can happen, but we just want to encourage you if you are in that place, you know, stay and um, pray for your husband and then seek godly advice. We really encourage you to have really, really good godly Mm -hmm. wisdom being poured into your life because you're not getting that from your husband and that's hard. And you also need a godly woman, older woman who can help and counsel you as best how to love your husband. Um, first Peter one, I'm sorry, first Peter three, one through two actually offers hope to the wives who are in this position. Um, and I really encourage you to pull up this verse, first Peter three, one through two on your own, but it says, likewise, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see respectful and pure conduct. So the mm-hmm. Bible is acknowledging that there are situations yeah. like this, and it's saying, stay and in that sense, minister and love and the fruits of the Spirit to your husband so that he can see the goodness of God and Lord willing one day come to him. I know wives and I've heard of stories who pray for years and years and years. So don't give up hope. We encourage you to remain faithful and to pray for your husband and to minister to him in that way. That's one of your biggest ministries Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us for this hard but much needed conversation. We know this stirs up a lot of questions. There's only so much that we covered. Um, But if if this got your wheels turned, and you're like, man, I am feeling conviction, not from us, but from the truth from God's word that you're hearing. We are praying that you would act on that, that you would follow the Lord in obedience. Um, if this has piqued your interest, just topics of love and what God's word has to say about love and romance and relationships and marriage, sex, it talks all about that, which is why we wrote our book, Love Defined, Embracing God's Vision for Lasting Love and Satisfying Relationships. Because guess what? Hollywood didn't create love and marriage. God did. It's his beautiful design, and he offers us so much wisdom on how to pursue and cultivate and build a Christ-honoring marriage that truly does last. And so if you haven't read our book, Love Defined, that's exactly why we wrote it. I wish I had had it, you know, probably 10 years before I got married. It would have been so helpful for me, even in navigating the dating process and getting married. There's so many things you can do right now in your season of life to start building those foundations. And so head on over to girldefined.com slash shop. That's girldefined.com slash shop. Grab a copy. You can even read it with a friend. There's a study guide built in. Um, You'll get a lot of laughs. We share a lot of personal things. We went through breakups, our whole journey, Bethany's journey of singleness, me getting married. It's a lot of fun too. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So grab a copy of that. Um, and if you do have questions, shoot us an email, contact a girldefined.com or come hang out with us. We do a lot of fun hangouts over on Instagram at girldefined. We would love to interact with you over there and answer your questions there as well. Um, but until then, guys, we will see you in the next episode.